You are listening to Show Radio. Radio. Listen, advertise, share. Good day and welcome to another Joe Radio Live program. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Weather is on point. Beautiful sunshine, nice breeze blowing. Peaceful, quiet. Well, if you, if you hear a little noise in the background, as you know, a dog barking in the distance and thing. Circumstances beyond my control. How are you all doing today, people? Joe Radio family. Blessings to each and every one of you. Hope you had a great week. Hope your week was, you know, everything you hoped it would be. Um, if it was less than you would have liked, give God the praise anyhow, because remember, things could have been worse. All right, we're going to kick things off before we continue um, with our hit your scripture for today. And today's hit your scripture uh, is taken from John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'll say it again. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And that was your hit scripture for today, taken from John chapter 10, verse 10. All right. So, as always, I want to thank you for your listenership, liking, sharing the program, continue to share, 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 get interactive, let us know how you're enjoying the program, how it has impacted you, how it has been a blessing to you, right? Um, and let me let you know our topic for today is 15-minute cities, the goal to control. All right, our topic for today, 15-minute cities, the goal to control. All right? Um, you know, there are so much, there's so much taking place in the world today. And because of, um, the controlled media, let me say it like that, because of the controlled media, we are not aware unless you really go and dig and research and stuff like that and go on certain platforms, certain independent platforms. Um, we really would not be aware of certain things that is taking place behind the scenes that we should be aware of, which is, um, one of which I should say is 15-minute cities. And you may be wondering, what is a 15-minute city? What is he talking about? Well, in a little while, you are going to find out exactly what it is and how it is not in our best interests. It does not work in our favor even though that is the narrative that certain um, individuals and organizations are pushing. All right. Um, I want to encourage you. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to leave this part for when we come back on the other side of the clip. Right. And I give my little two cents as they say. Right. Um, So tell somebody to tune in. Right. To Joe Radio. Right. Joe Radio Live right tell them bring a friend when they come in and listen to some impacting informative inspirational content right topic today 15 minutes 15 minute cities the goal to control wondering what it is let's find out 
Last March, the World Economic Forum, or WEF, published an article about the popularity of so-called 15-minute cities and presented this deceptive picture of Google search trends for the term as evidence. As you can clearly see, this search term wasn't popular until recently. More importantly, the recent spike in popularity is not due to widespread support, but widespread opposition to this controversial idea. Today, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about 15-minute cities, including who is behind them, where they're being tried, and why they're the exact opposite of what the WEF has advertised. As the name suggests, the idea of the 15-minute city is basically the belief that existing cities can and should be transformed and divided into districts where everything is available within 15 minutes of walking or cycling. This includes things like schools, hospitals, grocery stores, recreation facilities, and so on. Although this concept of having everything within arm's reach has been around for decades and was tried in places like the Soviet Union, the term 15-minute city was only coined in 2016 by Carlos Moreno. Now, Carlos is a Colombian-born city planner who's been teaching at French universities since the 1980s. In a TED Talk from January 2021, Carlos explained that his primary motivation for designing the 15-minute city was the climate. He also revealed that 15-minute cities would require a, quote, new economic model. But of course, the focus has been around the supposed human benefits it will bring. Now, what's interesting is that the concept of a 15-minute city didn't really take off until the start of the pandemic in early 2020. The story goes that city planners in Paris noticed that people would stay in their local areas because of the pandemic. This gave them the idea to try out Carlos's 15-minute concept in the city. The thing is that Anne Hidalgo, the mayor of Paris, was apparently planning on dividing the city into 15-minute districts months before the pandemic actually began. Doing so was actually part of her 2020 re-election campaign. Now, Carlos has also reportedly been advising Anne about the concept for years, if not longer. For context, Anne has been the mayor of Paris since 2014, and Carlos has been working on, quote, digital and sustainable smart cities since the early 2000s. Not surprisingly, Anne is a part of the WEF and has been a contributor to its global agenda. Surprisingly, Carlos is not part of the WEF, at least not yet. You can learn more about the WEF's global agenda using the link in the description. Now, when I say that the concept of a 15-minute city took off at the start of the pandemic, I don't mean that it became popular with the average person. I mean that it became popular with the WEF and other organizations that have been obsessed with achieving the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. For those unfamiliar, the SDGs are a set of 17 goals created by the United Nations, which are supposed to be met by all member countries by 2030. Like the concept of 15-minute cities, the UN's SDGs appear to be benign or appealing, but in reality prescribe the creation of terrifying technologies like digital ID. If you watched our video about digital ID, you'll know that the UN's SDGs are being pushed by the public sector through regulations and by the private sector through ESG investing. The incentive for the public sector is more control of citizens, and for the private sector, well, 
its profits, at least on paper. As far as I can tell, the push for 15-minute cities has come primarily from public institutions, probably because it won't be profitable for the private sector. In fact, this is likely why the concept didn't get much publicity until recently, and why private organisations like the WEF haven't been all that involved. Case in point, the WEF's only discussion about 15-minute cities occurred during the Sustainable Development Impact Summit in September 2021, which was co-hosted by the UN. It's actually in this discussion that the Mayor of Melbourne revealed that private sector support is lacking. Now this begs the question of which organisation is behind the 15-minute city push, and the answer is the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group, or C40 for short. According to Wikipedia, the C40 consists of 97 of the world's largest cities, accounting for one-twelfth of the global population and one-quarter of the global economy. C40 was originally founded as C20 in 2005 by then-London Mayor Ken Livingstone. What's wild is that the C20 merged with the Clinton Climate Initiative the following year to become the C40. The Clinton Climate Initiative has its roots in the Clinton Foundation. Let's leave it at that. Now, the C40 seems to have gained influence after the Paris Agreement of 2015, which was hosted by Anne. The C40 is currently headed by London Mayor Sadiq Khan, and its board of directors is headed by billionaire and former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who owns Bloomberg News. In July 2020, the C40 published an article titled, quote, How to Build Back Better with a 15-Minute City. Shortly afterwards, many of the 97 cities that are part of the C40 announced plans to radically transform themselves to fit the theoretical UN SDG-compliant city created by Carlos and his colleagues. In January last year, the C40 published another article which highlighted Barcelona, Bogota, Buenos Aires, Melbourne, Milan, Paris and Portland as a few of the first movers. Obviously, radically transforming a city in this way isn't cheap. That's why the C40 announced that it had partnered with NREP to pilot the 15-minute city concept in, quote, at least five unnamed cities in September last year. Now, NREP is a Danish urban investment firm with $19 billion in assets under management. That may not sound like much, but it's growing very fast. Not only that, but NREP owns, quote, 7 million square metres of real estate across Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Norway and Poland, and has committed to achieving a net zero real estate portfolio by 2028. To that end, NREP has received no shortage of funding from mostly unnamed institutional investors. For anyone wondering, NREP's website notes that it is, quote, majority owned by senior partners and backed by Novo Holdings as the largest individual owner. Novo Holdings is 100% owned by and generates returns to the Novo Nordisk Foundation, one of the largest charitable foundations. I should also note that this 15-minute city pilot is not a two-organisation show. The C40 NREP partnership announcement notes that the pilot includes two additional strategic partners, which are, you guessed it, the UN and Carlos. They all hope that the results of the pilot will be applied internationally. So, this brings me to the reason why search trends for 15-minute city have gone parabolic over the last few months. 
you'll notice that this rally began in mid-November. This is because of the final plans for a 15-minute city pilot that were published by Oxfordshire County Council with the support of Oxford City Council in the UK in mid-November. These plans took the internet by storm because they revealed the reality of what the WEF, the C40, NREP and others had advertised about 15-minute cities. In theory, 15-minute cities are supposed to make life easier and healthier while simultaneously improving the environment and the community. In practice, 15-minute cities mean setting up cameras everywhere to keep track of where everyone is driving to ensure that they do not leave their designated district too frequently. In the case of Oxford, these boundaries will be enforced through traffic filters that will automatically issue fines to violating vehicles. The pilot is tentatively scheduled for the start of 2024, and it will see the city of Oxford divided into six districts. Those living in a particular area will be allowed to drive into other districts up to 100 times a year. After that, fines get issued. Now, this sounds like a lot until you realise that many people need to drive through several districts to commute to work. The council addressed these concerns by saying that commuters could just use the ring roads outside of the main city. The community responded by pointing out that this would take a lot more time and cause a lot more pollution, and reducing pollution and car use is supposedly the purpose of the pilot. To add insult to injury, the council outright ignored the public comments it received during the consultation period for the pilot, which lasted from early October to mid-November. 93% of the 4,814 comments it received were opposed to the pilot for multiple reasons, with only 7% supporting it. Now, rather than acknowledge that the pilot was extremely unpopular, the council doubled down on its 15-minute city obsession. It dismissed all critics as conspiracy theorists and went as far as collaborating with social media platforms to fact-check and censor every possible criticism. More about social media censorship in the description. Now, when the people of Oxford pushed back, the council contacted the mainstream media, which published articles about how council members were being abused for trying to save the planet. Naturally, of course, some goons did feel that council members merited threats for their stance, which is never acceptable, of course. The council also started posting FAQs, which didn't actually answer the questions being asked. It also stated that the 93% opposition statistic was fake news because only 8% of people said they were opposed, whereas the rest gave specific reasons for why they were opposed. The latter somehow don't count. The worst thing is that the council continues to post articles linking to fact-checking websites and presumably plans on going ahead with the pilot come hell or high water. Meanwhile, the people of Oxford have continued to push back. And it's not just Oxford anymore either. Almost every video I watched about 15-minute cities had no shortage of criticism in the comments section. What's messed up is that you don't notice this opposition unless you scroll down because YouTube removed all the dislikes. So here are a few of the gems I found in these comment sections. Quote, What you're describing is a village. There's no need to turn the city into a dystopia to achieve what you want. This proves that it's total control that you really want. Quote, A crime against freedom and thus humanity. Quote, 
The part they're leaving out is that you're not allowed to go more than 15 minutes away from home. Quote, it's all about controlling the little people while the rich fly everywhere. And my personal favorite, quote, this assumes that we will all be forcibly moved into cities. I do not accept that. Now, make no mistake, these criticisms are valid and they are truly the tip of the iceberg. Some of the biggest criticisms have come from within the 15-minute city movement itself. One area of issue has been segregation. Dividing cities into districts will guarantee that the poor stay poor and the rich stay rich. Some would say that's the entire purpose of the plan. This seems to be more than speculation because during the WEF's aforementioned discussion about 15-minute cities, the panelists discussed how different cities will have different rules for different districts. In other words, the rich will remain free. The most enraging part of it all is that the UN and all the other unaccountable and unelected institutions involved have repeatedly claimed that 15-minute cities will somehow make existing cities decentralized. This is patently false because districts in 15-minute cities will be close together and centrally controlled. But back to that last critical YouTube comment, the implicit assumption that everyone will end up in cities. Now, the UN has projected that 80% of people will live in cities by 2050. The UN is concerned that this will lead to an unsustainable increase in consumption. Controlling this consumption seems to be the primary motivation here, and it's arguably guaranteed that the people living in some districts will be able to consume more than others. The catch is that the UN's consumption projection also assumes that the population will grow by 2.5 billion people by 2050. If you watched our video about population decline, you'll know that the global population is not growing nearly as quickly as the UN is projecting. Moreover, the UN's assumption that people will move to cities was disproven during the pandemic. Millions of people moved to rural areas thanks to remote work. This is yet another nugget of evidence which suggests that 15-minute cities have absolutely nothing to do with the environment nor the average person's quality of life. As that one YouTube critic pointed out, everything that 15-minute cities claim to want to do is already being done in towns and villages. Populations being geographically spread out into communities is the true definition of decentralization, and it's also one of the ways that people can avoid falling into this 15-minute fever dream. If a community can secure its own food, water, shelter, and companionship, well then, its people won't need others to tell them how to live. Now, the 15-minute cities being sold look a lot like an excuse for more control. This ties into something I'm sure many of you are wondering, and that's whether the C40 will succeed in rolling out 15-minute cities. Well, I'll start by saying that I'm sure the pilots will be declared successful. To be clear, I'm not saying that the pilots will actually be successful, just that they will be declared successful by the C40 and whichever cities the pilots are tried in. As we've seen with Oxford, the people planning this aren't concerned with the objective results, nor the opinions of the people on the ground. So, when the pilots inevitably are declared a success, we will immediately see almost every major city around the world start to carve itself up into 15-minute districts. 
This will be met with extreme resistance from residents, but this resistance will not be publicized and all opposition will be censored. At this point, many city dwellers, those with the means at any rate, will likely decide to move to rural areas to retain their freedom. The response from the central planners will be to declare that living in rural areas is bad for the environment and will introduce all manner of taxes, restrictions, anything they need to do to force people back into cities. Now, once most of the population has been forced into cities, the next order of business will be to make everyone as reliant on the government as possible to ensure compliance. This will again be done by any means necessary, and recent events suggest that successive crises of some kind will be the solution. Once everyone has a digital ID that's linked to their wallets and internet activity, the population will be suitably pliable, and all in the name of the environment. Now, I want to say that this is some huge conspiracy, but the more that I research this stuff, the harder it becomes to look away from the truth. The silver lining is that these 15-minute cities are doomed to fail. As Oxford has shown, when these entities try to exercise control at a local level, people notice and they immediately resist. Because there will always be more of us than there are of them, and they will eventually succumb to this resistance. Now, this is something the people in power are aware of, which is why they're so obsessed with digitizing everything. They know they will never have the manpower to maintain control, so the only solution is to make us all reliant on hardware and software which they can control, and people are starting to notice that too. Now consider that the same manpower principle applies when we're talking about hardware and software. Sure, these tech companies have hundreds of thousands of talented employees and access to endless resources, but there are millions of rogue developers and hardware enthusiasts out there. That's why I know that central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, will fail. Anyone who knows how to build crypto-related tech can make way more money in cryptocurrency. Never mind that the types of people who make revolutionary software and hardware are often motivated by more than money. To top it all off, centralized systems are inherently unstable, regardless of whether they're digital or physical. An easy way to visualize this is to imagine stacking a pile of coins. The higher that tower of coins becomes, the easier it is for something to come along and knock it down. It's a natural law of sorts. What this means is that even if 15-minute cities succeed, they'll not last for very long. Hopefully, other cities will see this and stop their shenanigans. Ideally, they'll never get off the ground to begin with. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that the people in power will have to learn this lesson the hard way. Thank you.